Welcome to the Shifted Podcast and Video Series. Each week, we connect with teachers to hear their stories about teaching and learning during a global pandemic. We focus on shifting practices, digital tools and resources, health and wellness, maintaining balance, and supporting our students during these challenging times. The Shifted Podcast is from the Greater Victoria School District in beautiful British Columbia, Canada, and is recorded on the unceded territory of the Lekwungen-speaking people, the Songhees and Esquimalt Nations. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Shifted Podcast and Video Series. This week, we're traveling to the land of media arts, and we're talking to Tina O'Keefe from Esquimalt High School here in Victoria. And Tina, the weather looks a lot nicer in Esquimalt than it does over uh, in my we, neck of the woods these days. We have we have the palm trees in the in the ocean. What can I say, John? Like this is Esquimalt, <laughs> right? Well, I've been looking forward to talking with Tina for a long time because Tina does a lot of work in areas that I've taught in the past, and uh, it's definitely passion areas for me. In addition to the multitude of different graphic arts and computer courses, Tina also runs the district's only Cisco Networking Academy as well, and that's a great place where students can actually gain real world networking and computer tech skills and wind up garnering a certificate at the end that they can use to apply for jobs they can use on their resume uh, you know in any future pursuits in the technical field so uh, it's an exciting opportunity and Tina really is a multi-talented tech ed or I shouldn't say tech ed but uh, computer ed it's still technology but we're we're actually applied digital skills and technology so ADST I guess is where we kind of fall into Yeah. yeah Indeed. So maybe Tina, you can tell us a little bit more about what you're teaching at Esquimalt this year and um, a little bit more about your program. Okay. Um, I have a room that is uh, multi-grades. So we have from grades 9 to grade 12 in the same room. Um, When I first started here, I was teaching seven classes in one block and went, how do I do that? And uh, my principal at the time said, you know, take, um, we we, we didn't, it was a semester before we had Google Classrooms come in. Um, She said, take some, uh, take some paper, put the class objectives up for each course, put it up on the board and have the kids choose. So I did that. Problem with that was I had kids go, I want to do graphics who didn't have any idea how to do the basics in any programs at all, um, other than Facebook. That was all they could do. So at that point, I looked and said, you know what, we need an introductory course. So now my grade nines come in and they do the explorations in computers, which is also our introductory course for the upper grades as well. And in that course, they get the basic toolkit of what they would do in the room. So they do units, um, there's four to five projects in each unit. Everything is project driven. There's no exams. So the kids work through each unit as they're they're in the classrooms. Um, And everything's run in Google Classrooms as well in the room. So they have video, they have audio, they have graphics, they have um, 3D printing where we use Tinkercad. They do some, uh, this this quarter we're actually putting in a, a robotics area as well because we just picked up some Lego EV3s. So they'll be doing some programming around that. They'll also do a programming unit. And then they also do keyboarding. And basically the kids work through the different units and hand in the projects, giving them some ideas of what they can do in this room. Beyond that, how we do it, and it's funny because they call it the O'Keefe special downstairs in the counseling wing. Uh, and what they do is basically the kids just have to get a seat in the room. So I'll I'll always have kids going, I can't get in, I can't get into programming. Like, you just need a seat. So they come in the room, and my first class, I go through every class I teach in here. So we teach um, 
as far as the classes are going in grade 10, there's media design where we focus on pixel um, art and sprite creations. So the kids learn how to draw with Photoshop, they learn how to draw with Piskel, they learn how to draw with GIMP, and they're doing the, the, the Piskel art with that. Um, they do um, some cyber security, we do that as well, so they have a course in that. And there's also HTML web development, and, and any of the grades can do that, grade 10 to grade 12. Uh, they also do programming, and in programming we do HTML, we do Python, we do C++, and we do Java. And so with that, also when you're talking about the certificates, the kids in Python and C++ can also write a certificate at the end of that. And I had a grade 10 student last year who wrote his um, Python certification, and he's now a Python associate. Hmm. I could go to work in the field with that. So it's, it's really cool with that. And that's offered through Cisco, which has been a great addition to have to the room. Um, speaking of Cisco, we also have the computer repairs course, which is your IT essentials. And with that, they learn how to basically what the pieces of a computer are, how to build a computer, how to work from there, um, how to put it all together, and then how to network it, and then how to work in a call center. And at the end, they can write their A plus certification. Um, we have the programming as well as we already talked about. Um, graphics is the other one we have is graphics. So we have graphic design, which is your uh, poster design, your uh, logo design using Illustrator, mostly Adobe Suite with that. So using Photoshop, Illustrator and InDesign. And then we also have computer graphics and animation, which is different than graphics. So uh, it was interesting because a few years back they took that class code away and I went, no, no, completely different course than graphics is. And that one we do um, Adobe Animate, which is 2D animation and they do Blender as 3D animation. And right now, because of our quarter system, it's it's really tough because it's you know the kids can they can get the blender but they can't always get adobe the access with it so i'm giving them choice around if they want to do 3d animation or 3d modeling but they do get the basic tools of blender to start with and then they move from there to either animation or, or modeling either or uh, or they can do both if they want to do both they can um, and then the other thing they do beyond that is there's also film production that works under this room as well so they go through learning the tools of a trade and then they have to actually produce a movie at the end of it so, yeah, that's great. Um, you know, and you mentioned the quarterly system and, you know, here in Victoria, like so many districts around the province, we've shifted to that quarterly model where students are, you know, taking one or two courses at the most in uh, for over a 10 week period for much longer duration. So, uh, you know, two, two hours plus is a long time to spend in a, in a computer lab. So I'm curious what's changed from your perspective in terms of how you're structuring your time with those kids um, mm -hmm. based on this new way of teaching and learning. Well, my classroom's completely different than, than a, like we don't do, I don't stand up in front and lecture. So the kids are basically working through at their pace as to how it would work with it. The one thing I found in the first quarter was the kids were not able to get through as much as they would normally in the, in the semester system. So my explorations class where they would do six units, I had them choose four of the six that they wanted mm -hmm. to do because they just, they weren't getting through it. And mm -hmm it's a hard place because I mean some of my top students are coming to me when they because we do half of it like five weeks where they're in the classroom for that two and a half hours and then they do five weeks when they only come in for two days a week mm -hmm. and they're at home and, and the other part and my top students come to me and go I'm really struggling at doing the work at home 
I'm not doing well with it. Um, some of them, it's Adobe isn't available for them at home, so it, it's a really tough one with that. We were able to manage a um, an agreement with the district last year, which we haven't in place this year, but I haven't had any kids take me up on it yet. And that is where they can actually log into our computers from home and use those computers. So if they're on hybrid and they're at home, they could actually log in from home to work on the computers as if they're sitting in the room. There's a bit of a lag on that, but overall, it's actually was very positive last year for the kids that did it. And they were really quite excited about that, which was yeah, good. That's a pretty yeah. interesting opportunity to kind of leverage the, the hardware you have in the building, but still yes. making it accessible outside of the school. That's pretty yes. neat. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your, your graphics courses. And that's really what uh, spurred our conversation today was we've got a number of your students that are very talented animators that have some mm -hmm. interesting animations that they've created. And that I wanted to actually take an opportunity for you to show to folks that are watching in our, on our YouTube sure. video, yeah. what yeah. some of these animations might look like. Um, well, in the computer graphics and animation, which is again different from graphic design, um, our computer graphics and animation, they start with 2D animation or 3D animation, either or it's up to them which one they want to start with. <clears throat> but they use, they learn the basic steps of the um, six steps of animation where you create a keyframe, you move your object to that, you, you um, create the next keyframe, you move your object to that, you create the, the motion tween, and then you move your you move your object between. They're learning about ease, they're learning about um, stretch when they're going through so they're able to make an object look realistic while they're moving it uh, and then I have some kids that are come in that already have some skills like serious skills of animation yeah. and it's just really for them for me more being there to help guide them and maybe you know at, at the one who's like just this this kid is just mind-blowing the stuff he does um, really for it's been more of a, um, a place to check in with him go through the stuff he's doing um, little things like, you know, when you're using Adobe uh, After Effects or Adobe Animate, putting everything on layers, making sure you're naming your layers. Because if you have to find that one piece in your hundred layers and you haven't named it, how do you know where it is? Yeah. And you don't want to go through every layer to have to turn it off to figure that all out. So those are one of the key things I could say to him of, you need to name your layers, right? Like yeah. that's a, an elementary thing, but their, their brains are going so fast, they don't know always to catch those things with it. I think that's such an interesting observation because, you know, really that sums up kind of the essence of our new curriculum model here in BC. Mm -hmm. And it's not about the content where right? these kids are coming in already kind of understanding the content, but you're supporting yeah. them to develop their skills in the area and really, Completely. you know, fully develop those skills. So yes, they can create the animation, but you're supporting them to with those organizational skills that mm -hmm. would actually translate to, you yeah. know, whatever the next stage would be in their possible career path to keep them organized completely to keep them, you know, yeah, yeah completely and that's the thing i say to them too if if they get to a unit especially in the exploration if they get to a unit and they've already got the skills like i've got a grade nine um girl right now who is a fantastic drawer like she just graphic drawing I, I actually gave her some vector drawing to do so she can learn how to draw outside of the raster programs mm -hmm. and really be able to use her art in a different way um unbelievable draw she doesn't have to do the graphic unit because she's got it already like she's got those skills so if you can show me you've got the skills you don't have to do those assignments you can either work on your own stuff through that or you can move we can move you into something else in, in that area or I can give you something more complex if you want to do that but really it's about choice and what I'm finding is the kids come in the room I mean I have 24 kids in the room and you'll walk into my room and and they're all working they're all focused they're all doing what they need to do um 
mostly because they have choice. They have the choice to work on stuff that they're passionate about. They've chosen to be in the class that they're in. They're learning about something that matters to them in a place that, you know, and, and they've got me in the room to walk it through with them when they get stuck, you know, and really it's about, pro my job has become more about problem solving with them, helping them to, you know, how to, okay, here's where you are. Where would you find this answer at if I wasn't in the room? How can we go through um, finding these things with it? So I don't stop and go, okay, this is how you do it. I go, let's work through how you would find this answer. Like, what does that look like? And sometimes it's sending them back to go have another look at that. You know, maybe how would you look that up? How would you find these things you need to find? And that's been a huge thing about a difference for me in the room of, you know, and it's funny because I get some kids are like, well, you don't know the answer. I do, but I want you to find the answer too. Right. So it, it's kind of, and you have those kids that are always like, oh, she doesn't know anything. It's like, I do know. I just want you to be able to find it rather than me just telling you, you know, because that's a huge difference in learning because then after I'm not there, then they've learned those skills, right? That's so it. that's it's huge. Working through the problem, that's the the, the learning, yeah. truly, right? And just getting to the answer doesn't actually... <laughs> doesn't help anything. What you're looking for. And I think, you know, that's a great point about the choice. And when you make a choice, you're making a personal connection to the learning. And when you have a personal mm -hmm. connection, your engagement increases. And, uh, yeah. you know, I think that's uh, how students succeed. So I'd love to see some examples of- uh, Yeah, I can share my screen here with you. The, the one thing, it's funny when you're talking about like the difference with the quarter system, what's happened with it. Um, the one thing because of the way we're doing our classes right now is I've actually had to take down Genius Hour, which mm -hmm. was a tough thing for me to let go because that has been such a project for me to do in my room. And the kids have been so fantastic. It's really what's driven a lot of the, even the learning we do now in the room has yeah, been the yeah. way they have that choice. But I've just found that with only having the five weeks in the class, it's just not, there's so much else going on. It's like, you know what? It's okay to let it go at this point yeah, yeah. and not have, that have it for a little bit. Like you, did before, you, hey. don't, you don't have it. It's not the same kind of thing. So that makes it kind of hard that way. So mm -hmm. I'm just going to share my screen here with you. I'm going to go here. Yeah, I'm looking for that right there. Okay, there we go. All right, and so what I've got here is, um, I've just gone through and just kind of made a slide deck of some of the different animations we've got going through here. So what I normally start the kids with is what we call a bouncing ball. And this is in the 2D animation and they go through with this. And with this, their idea is they have to do two things in this assignment. One, they have to bounce a ball across the screen. And then two, they have to roll a square. So they have to be able to rotate and to bounce. So the whole idea when they're bouncing is, you know, to bring it in, bring it down a bit. So it kind of looks like an actual ball coming in and around, which isn't too bad. They, they, you know, they normally get that. I always get these kids and these are the kids I just, you know, I, I love to work with these kids because they're always the ones that look at that and go, that's so boring. So I'm going to do something completely different. So this kid actually went through and went, I'm going to do a waffle falling. And this was his ball bouncing. You know, still the reality of the, how he made it fall slowly, still has, you know, a little bit of a sure. kind of crumpleness in there and the whole bit going to the green, the, the, the screen afterwards. Um, after they go through that, they go through their bouncing ball. Uh, they will use something else where we have a, an animation that I, I have. It's a YouTube video about um, a fellow, it's an Adobe one where they have a guy who has to jump from fire. So, and all, and all of them have different ways they have to do this. And again, this is the same kid who decided he didn't want the guy to jump from fire. So he made this other video instead where it was, and of course now it's, oh, I've got it over here. Just a second, right here. Here we go. So this is the one where he's kind of done the, this was his jump from fire one. The whole idea where instead the guy's falling down with some fire and at least one second here. I think the, um, it's, it's in another window. So it's Oh, it's in another window. So you can't see that. Can you? Yeah. 
Um, okay, I'll have to find another way I can do that with you. That's okay. We can edit that yeah. part. Out. Sorry. We, okay. Yeah. So we just, <laughs> I'll have to, I'll have to send this to you afterwards, John, so sure. you can share it with it afterwards. Yeah, it's yeah, it's sure. a very cool video. What this kid does with this one is he, the, uh, the little stick man goes rolling down the hill, blows up a little bit, and then at the end he says he doesn't live in Baltimore. I kind of I don't know why that, but for some reason that's a big thing. So. Okay. So then beyond that, they have um, a car that they have to do a motion path with. And then the last step is they actually get to make videos about something around the school. So then I had some Halloween themes that the kids were working with. So they did the Halloween themes with it. So this was the one that they had up there with that. And it's just a monster eating some things with it. Um, again, back to the, this is again, the, the kid with the, another kid that did this one with the, uh, the ball moving. So again, you know, had his own kind of idea with the, uh, how he's going to do this. Play this. Here we go. So here's the ball, the ball moving with it. But this is the one where they have to actually do the, um, the, the fellow with the, the fire. This was his rendition of what okay. he did with that. So instead of, instead of actually, so this was his whole idea, the two, the red and the blue guy going together with it and, and having some fun there with that. So, you know, they, they definitely have a lot of freedom around where they're going to go with that. And then this one, this is this is the um, the young man I was talking about earlier. This this young man is a phenomenal animator, and he has his own YouTube channel. Um, his plan is to go into animation afterwards, and we've worked pretty closely with him around um, helping him out and and how to uh, connect him in with the animation community in general. He actually was accepted last year at a, a really great program over in Vancouver, and because of COVID, didn't get to go. So we're we're working now to see if there's a possibility they'd be able to include him into this year's because he's grade twelve now yeah uh, we told him we'll, uh, we'll put a link to his youtube channel in the notes for this yeah as well. definitely i mean you know some of this stuff is, is a little dark when he does it but that's his style and that's you know it, really it's funny because i get a lot of stuff from kids and i look at them and go you know what it's not my thing but it's showing their animation and their ability to do the work he does. He does a lot of stuff with Adobe Animate, with After Effects and with um, Premiere Pro all three. So he'll work a lot of his stuff with it. And he's been working on a new um, add-on, it's an After Effects and he actually can bring it into Adobe Animate from there afterwards. And some of the stuff is just, it's just, wow. So amazing with what he does with it. So this is just a piece of one of the, the things he's done with it that I just brought up here for that, just to show. And this is all hand-drawn that he's done with this. So you can see the, just the intricacy of his work and how, you know, how much time and, and just the amount of time he spent with it. It's just been phenomenal. So it, there was a lot of stuff done with him with that. So um, with that one. And then when I first started here, this was actually what got me going with the whole idea of different classes in the room with this was a student who came over from another school because uh, we had animation here and they didn't have it where she was at. And so she came here and made these gifts using Adobe Animate. And all of this is all hand-drawn. So she would sit in the back of the room and draw all of these different, adding textures, adding colors, adding the movement, going through everything with it. And this was her animation she did. So this was the one. And then she had another one coming up with the grad winter ball. You know, same kind of thing, drop-downs going in. So this is the other part they do learn as well in the 2D animations. They learn how to do drop-downs. They learn how to bring figures across the screen. They learn how to have things pop into screens. Um, how do you even, you know, changing the, the view of what they're doing with that. Um, the big thing is they learn how to, and I've learned this from my one, the one student who's like so 
amazing with what he does with stuff is is to build up your assets because when you're doing animation you don't want to draw the same thing 50,000 times you should be able to draw the same thing once or twice and then just use it later on in it so how do you save your assets how do you build it into your library how do you build your library up um, so that you're not redoing the same thing time and time and time and time and time again much right. like programming it's the same kind yeah. of idea yeah so yeah. then then beyond 2D animation, we now are actually adding in as well 3D animation. So um, this has been a new one that's come in, in the last couple of years, basically has been the 3D animation again, the bouncing ball. So they just, you know, they go through and how do you do the, the squeeze and the ease as they're going through. So it actually looks like a realistic ball coming into the screen. Cause that's a big thing too, is, you know, animation shouldn't be looking, unless it's a style you want, um, you want to be able to have it look pretty realistic when they're doing with it. So we do a lot of work around that. Um, and now they're starting to get into rigging into bones and to all kinds of stuff with that. So some really cool stuff coming definitely. Um, and it, I'm finding it depends on the group of kids. Um, last quarter I had kids that were really into graphic design, which yeah. is more of your posters, more of your logo designs. Um, we also do silkscreen press printing here for our t-shirts so they can do that and we have a Cricut vinyl machine as well so they can cut their own vinyl for logos um, this quarter it's I've got piles of kids in the computer animation class so it just depends like what their interests are like and, and it always will you can't tell until the kids walk in the room that's the hard part so yeah yeah that personalized um, component of your course is so great and I think that's why you're you know mm. you've got lineups of kids waiting to get into your yeah. programs because yeah. you know yeah it's uh, really connected with their interests well, and where they're passing the other, the other thing I do too is the kids that are coming in that have been through all the introductory courses and they're getting into advanced um, what I do is I sit down with them and we talk about what their projects are going to be in the advanced course so here's what you need to meet with the objectives these are the things you need to show me how are we going to do this and I give them the options to be able to put together a project that we basically I go back through and check it through with them afterwards so they're still learning skills but they'll they'll I've had kids that have um, worked on design journals as they're going through it talking about what they've researched how they've researched that what it looks like and then be able to go from there so I have kids that come back three four five six times you know I, I really I had one kid that came um, one year had three courses right in a row with me and then went to history 12 that was his last semester and he sat and did 3d modeling the entire morning he just loved 3d modeling so he worked himself through blender and then he went into 3ds max um, he's now at vancouver film school learning to be a modeler because that's what he wants to do and he started in genius hour in grade 10 mm -hmm. learned blender and that's what sparked it on for him from there and he was one of the ones that i really kind of took the lead from of how can i make this a room where they're going to come in and really be inspired about what they're doing and be able to work their passions. And that's, you know, I, I really kind of experimented a lot with the stuff I was doing with him. And then I've been able to move it into other students as well. And there's been some pretty cool stuff come out with that and to see where the kids are at and what they're learning. So, yeah. That's really cool. You know, before we started recording today, you mentioned you had a, a UVic education student in your class who was kind of peeking over your shoulder and I was a bit flabbergasted with the quantity of, uh, yeah. of stuff going on in your program. And if you were, yeah. um, you know, if you were giving any advice to a new teacher who might be considering a, a career in media arts and graphic arts in, in this realm, would you have any advice on, on, on them for t to get started or to get going? Um, I love Google Classrooms and, and I can show you actually why this is actually the classroom itself, but this is actually my classes. So as you can see from here with it, like this is, 
this is like where I'm at for this this quarter, right? I mean, and I had one, this this fellow just came in just yesterday, um, just started brand new my class. I actually dropped out the film introduction class and put it back in for him. But this is, every class in here has students in it going all the way down through. Wow. Like right down to, right down to there. That's all my classes. So, I mean, this quarter I've got 16 classes on roster um, that they're running through. I, I would say really, you know what, be willing to be willing to, to be a bit risky, you know, like, I mean, as long as you're covering your curriculum, um, you're, you're going through, you're doing pre-production, production, post-production, post you can do a lot of stuff with these kids, right? And, and they want to learn, like that's the thing. And, and really um, for yourself, uh, be knowledgeable on how to use the programs. That's going to help you. Uh, that's a big one with it, actually. And then beyond that, you know, be willing to learn from them. Like there's, there's, you're always going to have a kid somewhere is going to show up that knows more than you, and yeah. that's okay, yeah. right? It, and and I mean, I've had kids that's come right up to me and actually, say, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it's huge. I mean, yeah. I have, I had a, one kid come say to me at one point, um, I'm not going to take any more classes in your room because I know more than you. And I looked at him <laughs> and kind of laughed, and I was like, okay, well, you know what? Yeah, you probably do, but there's some skills I have that you don't, and that's what I'm here to teach you, yeah. right? So yeah. it, it's kind of take your ego off the shelf. Um, do things that really matter to the kids. Like if you're going to do projects, you know, do something that they're going to be able to use, that they're going to be able to walk out with afterwards. I mean, it's, um, we do the Adobe products here. Part of that being is because any of the kids that learn how to use Illustrator can walk into any graphic shop in town and be able to possibly apply for a job because they've got skills in Illustrator and they know how to do that so those are things that are going really will work for them afterwards you know i started out in the in the industry really um back in the day with CorelDRAW mm. and learned how to do graphic design with that and then work my way into adobe and working with that um and most of my stuff that i've done i mean i've done some courses but most of it has been in the field working in businesses uh running through and, and doing um their graphic design and different businesses that I work for. That's where a lot of the stuff comes from, right? So it's, it's really try to make it as real world as you can. You know, uh, it, it might be great. You've got these great projects that are like all, you know, really off in the end of it, but those aren't the things that are going to pull the kids in. They want to have something that it's going to be mattering to them later on. Yeah. You know, like how can I use this later on? You know, and that's the thing. And so really keep it, you know, that way with it where they're going to learn the things that are going to matter to them and, something that they're going to be able to use when they walk out of the school right so yeah yeah well you know what i'm what i'm wondering is um you know probably no other teachable area at secondary changes as quickly and dynamically as this <laughs> type of content and i'm sure yeah. even over the last few years you know you weren't offering a cybersecurity course a few years ago so how do you no. find the time to stay current you know on the on this material yourself in, in, in this rapidly changing world when you're you know as a teacher you're so pressed for time and Looking at this Google Classroom, I can see why your UVic <laughs> student would feel a little overwhelmed. So what do you do? Do you have any uh, go-to resources or, or suggestions for somebody? Definitely. Well, of course, I have Cisco, which has been amazing. That's been awesome to help with a lot of this stuff. Um, CodeHS has been a site that I've used quite recently as well. Kind of mm -hmm. thing. They've got some really good classes in there uh, going through it. Um, mostly what I try to do is I try to, on our, on our, mostly on our summer break, I try to go through and learn a different area every time. You know, so if I have kids that are interested in something and go, hey, I want to do that, but I don't have a course in it yet, then I make sure I'm going through, you know, figuring those things out before I bring it in. So I'm not kind of, you know, cause it's, it's, I mean, I could bring in everything, right. But if I don't have at least something in it, that's going to put me in a place. that's not good. Sure. Yeah. So yeah. you don't want to do that. I mean, like it's, it's not just a matter of, Oh yeah, you want to learn about that. So here you go. Like I, I have to have, 
some basic knowledge there as well before I can bring that into my course load and going through it with that. So those are things that have been really important. Um, most of the stuff I find has been stuff that, you know, I can, yeah, it's really been just, you know, making sure and developing it in the summer and kind of going through it from there. So it's, you know, kind of the basics of going through it. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, like I said, Code HS, Cisco has been my big ones with it. Um, yeah, I think it's been about oh, yeah. it. Well, and I know you've been really active at, you know, engaging with provincial organizations like QBC, Computer Using mm -hmm. Educators at BC, and also in trying to develop a stronger network within our own district with other yes. secondary media yep. teachers as well. So I think probably that probably plays into the, the knowledge transfer too. Yeah, I think so too. Like definitely kind of, um, that's been a big one for me is actually getting together the other IT teachers. And we've actually managed to get together. We're actually trying to start an LSA right now of um, teachers within not only our district, but also the lower South Island districts um, to get together and have a, a chapter here from the QBC. Um, when I first started, it was really tough because I didn't come in with anything. Like, so I came in and had to develop all of my stuff myself because I didn't, the, the person I came in behind kind of just went, do whatever you want to do. And I was like, well, that's great, but it would really be nice if I had something to start with. Kind of going into it. So I basically, what I did when I first started was I added a course every, every year or every mostly about every year, I, every, every year I bring in another course. So I started with my exploration course, then I already had graphics and I already had a few others. And then the next year I added a few programming courses. So it wasn't like I was adding all these courses all at once doing it. It took me four years to develop what I do. Hmm. And even still, like every year I go through and I, I tweak out the assignments. And um, one example being uh, our programming unit in exploration up until this last year has been Scratch, which we kind of looked at and gone, it needs to be more text-based programming. Hmm. So it's moving more towards HTML and as I mentioned we also picked up the EV3 so there'll be some EV3 programming around that too so those are things I'm moving them out of but it's a matter of how do I get those pieces that they need to go with it because we don't have a lot of money right yeah. like it's how do we get all these pieces to go so anything I can find for free I do yeah. anything I can find where I can borrow I do <laughs> so which is a nice part of having the IT teachers together because if one of us has a set of something that you know we don't use it all the time. Could another school possibly borrow it or could another IT teacher, Hey, could I grab those, you know, from you and use them here? And cause it's just, we can't all afford, you know, all the pieces we need to do this field. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, last question, Tina. And, that, and it's, um, you know, I think the last event that I recall personally going to before the COVID shutdown was the yeah. Western robotics yep. championships at the Savon arena here in Victoria. Mm -hmm. And I know that's been a huge part of your, um, you know, your extracurricular offerings at Esquimalt and your robotics team has had tremendous success with community support. Yes. You've gone to the finals in Texas and done some fantastic things. And we've got, you know, a multitude of other schools that have now entered into the, the first robotics program as well. So where does, where does the robotics world land in a global pandemic? What's going on in that? Well, you know, it, it's wonderful that um, first robotics is, is a, a world organization like it's not just based in Canada um, it's it's uh, birthed in the states uh, the fellow who who runs it is a fellow who actually um, developed I think it's called the Segway those, Segway, those yeah. Yeah. Yeah, driving so he actually that's him right so and his whole thing is about kids having some engineering and some skills that they go with into the world and there's huge things to come around first like it's it's not just I mean you saw by the the save on foods the show they put on how big it is like it's yeah. huge oh, so 
they got together and went, Hey, we can't let this die. Like we can't put, because if we, if we stop it, the kids are going to lose and it, it's not okay. So they've put together a whole program that we're running this year that is virtual. Okay. And also the, there's a possibility if we can get back to competition, it will be there for them as well at the end of this. So they're, they're, they're planning for the maybe competition, but we have a virtual one that we're going to be running in, in between. So it's, it may be that when we're using the same robot we had last year, which is good because our robot, we came in and the whole premise behind first, I can tell the listeners is with it. Um, basically what it is, is they give us a challenge as a team. We have to design, build and operate a robot that's within the parameters of 120 pounds. Uh, they give us a size that we're not allowed to go over top of or around it kind of things. So we have our basic they give us our basic base we start with and then from that we have to build this robot on top of it so we had 120 pounds we came into competition 30 pounds overweight <laughs> in one day we had to lose 30 pounds and we did it which is the fastest weight loss ever i'm sure it was awesome you could write a, a great, diet book from that great great diet book okay how to lose 30 <laughs> pounds in one day how would we cut off the robot so we did it we get into competition we the kids and we just said to the kids you know what just drive just have some fun just drive so they did they, half the robot wasn't even working they couldn't get the shooter working or anything else um and they ended up in 20th place and the whole way through which is really good a pack of 40 they did awesome so what happened was at the end of the round robin the 10 top nine teams they get to pick two teams each to run with them and then they all go into the final competitions the rest of us behind if somebody has to step out the team next team down goes into their spot so we came up to the finals and our team was the one that got called in. So in the final round, we got to play in the final round with the kids and they're now 2020 finalists, which was awesome because they just were the ones who stayed in the building because the other teams before them left, which was like, <laughs> what were you thinking? So, Perseverance so pays off, eh? <laughs> we, we learned that, you know, one, you don't leave your head during finals and uh, two, it's always good to stick around because you could be a finalist for that. Yeah. So, yeah. so they end up being finalists. But what they're doing now is they're actually looking at how, and, and I mean, I've got kids, you know, and, and they're, they're got their COVID safety set up. They have to take their attendance when they come to the meetings. They're actually in meeting right now behind me in the room. Um, and we actually have, have garnered a few new kids, which is really great. Um, they're starting with Fusion 360, where they do designing of the actual parts. I love this part of it because this started with our 3D printing. In our first year, we ran and we had a robot that had a gantry that ran up and down on a lead screw. And the nut to go with that screw was back ordered by three months. And we had to go to competition in two weeks. So my team captain looks at it and he goes, hmm, I can print that. So he designed it, printed it, and he sends me this note. And he says, bad news, the, lead screw, or the, the nut for the lead screw is back ordered. Can't get it for three months. Good news is I designed and printed it and here and watch it work. And I was like, <laughs> yes, this is it. So it's really cool to see that, that like, they knew how to apply, like problem solve, right? How do I do? What do I do with this problem? So, you know, they're doing 3D printing right now. They're already starting to go through and learning how to use Fusion 360. They print their parts for the, the robot with our printers we have here. Um, that's part of the program with it. There, our business team is already up and running, ready to send thank you letters out to our sponsors from last year. We have been very fortunate to have amazing sponsors. Um, C-SPAN stepped up and sponsored us last year. PBX Engineering sponsored us last year. We have a lot of in-kind sponsors who sponsor us. Um, O'Keefe's Automotive does out in Oak Bay. Um, bumper to Bumper. They're awesome. <laughs> the, the guy the guy who owns it, he's, he's a real cool guy. I like him a lot. So... Um, 
bumper to bumper uh, down on uh, Government Street has been great for being in kind for us. I just really can't say enough about the Minimax and the Squimalt prints all of our labels for us for our robot because we have to put all of our labels on our robot. So they're busy right now too. Our design team is contacting other um, other teams across the world. They're actually reached out to New Zealand to get their CAD files because part of first is gracious professionalism, which means you share with each other. Um, and those are big things. So they're actually reaching out to other teams to say, hey, can we have your CAD files? Right. So they're looking at how can they not copy what they're doing, but how can they incorporate some of those pieces into their new design? Because they've decided that with using the parts they have, they're going to rebuild the robot, which is great. That's okay. So it's like, as a team, they've decided this, this is what they're going to do. We have mentors that come in and work with them who are engineers. We have programmers. They're already started with that. Um, our programming team as well has been able to set up our limelight camera, which actually is a, the camera actually follows movement. Mm. So they can, they can program it. So if they throw a ball, the, the, the robot will actually drive the robot right after the ball, mm. which is so cool to see. Like, it's just like, yeah. yeah. But I mean, the really cool part about FIRST is, is what it gives the kids as a team. What it gives to them professionally is huge. I had one of my players who's right now at Waterloo University in his first year of engineering. Um, their co-op came up and they were asked, uh, they went out to apply for jobs. And they were basically told they weren't going to get them because their jobs are so few. He got an interview because he had FIRST Robotics on his resume. Hmm. And that was huge. That was like, this is awesome. So it's, yeah. it's really like just... When you see the kids that come from my, my grade 12s right now started with us in grade nine. And I remember them coming in the room and, and our, our business captain, who is this amazing young woman who blows my mind when it comes to organization and does business skills and raises $16,000 a year to run our team. Like every year she does this and, and is now teaching the kids behind her how to do what she does because she's going to leave us next year. But she's learned how to do all these things being part of the team, which has been great to see. Um, when she first started, like, you know, shy little girl in the corner, didn't know what she was going to do. Like she wasn't even sure she wanted to stay on the team. And I handed her a camera at competition and said, do you know how to take pictures? She's like, yeah go take pictures. And she took like 500 pictures and had a great time. And then when we won to go to, to Houston, her and her mom raised $5,000. Wow. So it was, it really brought her in. And at that point she said, this is where I want to be and what I want to do. So it's more than just building a robot. It's, it's about building a team. It's about building a community and it's really about learning together as a group and making sure that everybody's there with you. And that's what they do. And it's what I love about what they do with this team. So. That's it's a, good things. Yeah. That's a, that's a beautiful way to wrap up this conversation because that, I think that's what you, you created that too at Esquimalt is that yeah. community for those kids that, you know, don't fit into those other programs. And I remember mm. being in those rooms, you, you've got a motley crew sometimes, but <laughs> they, they need a place to go and they need a place yep. to get connected and to belong. So it's, it's a positive, positive place of learning for them. And that's yeah. what I want to have here for them. It's, yeah, it's that positive place to learn. And I can't thank you enough for taking uh, this time to give us a little glimpse into your world of innovation and, uh, and technology. Mm. So thank you so much for your time, Tina. I really appreciate the conversation. Thank you, John. Take care. Okay. Thank you for watching or listening to the show. You can find all of our episodes, leave us a voice message, or send us any questions or comments at our website, shift-ed.ca. Until next time, take care. <laughs>